Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Creative Control of Ishkana podcast is brought to you by you. Virtually all financial support for this show comes from listeners just like you. So please keep Creative Control going by making a flexible monthly donation at patreon.com slash creative control. You'll be glad you did this. Not as glad as me, but still pretty glad. Thank you. <laughs> please welcome to the stage, Michael Balazzo. <laughs> Michael Balazzo is an extremely funny person based in the city of Toronto, Ontario. The co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, The Landlord and Tenant Pod Mess, Balazzo finally released his long-awaited debut stand-up album in 2020. It's called Complete Discography. It's out now, and it prompted Mike and I to have a chat on a summer day about the state of Toronto during the COVID-19 pandemic. His interest in and vocational pursuit of niche comedy being an optimist in a dark time the red green show nirvana future plans and much more a part of the entertainment one network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control and massey hall's concert film series live at masseyhall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free including performances by past podcast guests like destroyer plus in-kind support from pizza trocadero the bookshelf and planted bean coffee in guelph and granddad's donuts in hamilton this is the 568th episode of creative control featuring the still extremely funny michael balazzo with your host me vish Khanna. Oh! Oh! Oh, they never should have let me near a microphone tonight! Hmm! Whoever let this happen is gonna regret it! So, uh, unlike most comedians, I like to begin my show by reciting the Comedian's Pledge. Um... I know it's a little old-fashioned, but uh, so am I. Uh, so here it goes. Uh, please bear with me. Uh, I, Michael Balazzo, hereby do solemnly swear to uh, work my buns off to make you, the audience, laugh, smile, and forget your troubles. 
I will also endeavor to glorify our brave men and women in uniform. <laughs> who work their buns off to keep us safe. Thank you. Who's ready to get silly? Hi, Mike. How's it going? I'm doing well, Vish. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing relatively well. I would say it's nice to see you uh, and talk to you uh, for the first time uh, without your 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 partner in crime. Yes, that guy. Yeah, James is nowhere to be seen. James Hartnett, the uh, the Toronto-based comedian, but he grew up in Orangeville, Ontario. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't say James's name. I just thought I'd let you reveal. <laughs> For legal reasons, I thought you should announce who the, your partner in crime was in case there's a different partner in crime. I didn't want to be culpable. An actual partner in crime. Yes, exactly. Maybe you have a syndicate that I don't know about. Anyway, yeah, how are things? Are you, are you in Toronto? I usually say, where in the world are you? Where in the world are you, Mike? I'm in the heart of downtown Toronto. I believe it's the last day of July. It's been a hot one. The city's uh, ready to go off. Everyone's uh, so tense from staying inside all summer. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, I've heard uh, that we moved uh, in time to avoid a particularly bad heat wave in Ontario. Is that fair to say? It's been pretty awful. This this week, actually, to be fair, hasn't been too bad, but the past couple weeks... Fish, you're lucky uh, to be in uh, a city that's usually cold, <laughs> that sometimes snows in in the spring months. Um, yeah, it's been really hot, and uh, that has made uh, trying to get through a pandemic and economic disaster uh, even more fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, it is. It gets hot here, but there's no humidity, if I might say. Do you, are you familiar with that? Are you familiar with the feeling of being in a place where it's hot? But it's a dry heat. That's what I have. I have a dry heat. So it's not there, people here are like, oh, my yeah. God, it's 26 degrees. I'm like, we're like, this is nothing. We're fine. We all, well, let's go for a bike ride or something, you know, like we're, we're good. So, yeah, I feel hardy from my Ontario roots. <laughs> Do the locals like it when you say when you um, you tell them that they're foolish and that they don't know what they're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they love it. I don't think the locals like me. Because I keep pointing this stuff out to them, and it's not going well. I'm trying to get us to transition into, you know, being neighborly and, and fun, but it is not you my You go demeanor. up and say, listen, boys, I'm from Toronto, and I know the way the world actually works. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm just constantly belittling them and second-guessing them, and it's horrible. It's horrible. So you mentioned the pandemic yeah. and the economic disaster. You are a, a comedian in Toronto. During a pandemic, yes. uh, Mike, how is that going? Uh, in the grand scheme of things, how is that going for you at the moment? I mean, to be perfectly honest, I guess, now that I think about it, it uh, it's not too different than usual because being, a, I guess, a comedian, or at least my experience of being a comedian, has pretty much always been an economic disaster. So <laughs> I'm kind of, I have like a callus that most regular people don't have to like, oh yeah, this is pretty much, you know. Uh, same old, same old for me. Well, I forget the question. What was the question? I was trying to be funny. Oh, well, uh, the, funny. the question was just uh, just what you, <laughs> you 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 responded to the question, and then lost your train of thought. I've never had that before in yeah. over five hundred episodes, where the person answers the question and then doubles back and says, "What was the question?" I'm like, "You just answered the question." No, I, I was, was just frankly. Yeah. There's a moment on your uh, excellent new uh, stand-up record, which is. Um, I think rather foolishly entitled Complete Discography because I believe it is your debut. Is that correct, Mike? It is my debut. I've, I've been promoting it as my debut and uh, swan song album. 
Yeah. <laughs> Why? Okay. Let's, I don't know if I'll ever do live comedy ever again. I don't be, know if that'll ever come back. To Who be knows? honest, you're on to something. Did you have this in mind before there was a pandemic that you that this was like hello and goodbye at the same time? Um, no, that was just once because uh, uh, it lined up that way. I I guess when I recorded it at the time, I thought it would be, you know, the first of many, many albums that I would release over decades. Right. Uh, and uh, now that uh, who knows what's going to happen. Let's let's have so a, just a marketing thing. It's a marketing yeah. uh, nightmare. It's a, you call it a thing. I uh, as someone who's familiar with marketing, I call it a marketing nightmare. <laughs> you want to you want us to get behind your album called Complete Discography, which again, correct me if I'm wrong, debut stand up record. It is my debut stand up record. Yes. But this is a, in a sense, it's a compilation of all of the stand-up comedy uh, bits that you've accumulated over the course of how long? A long time. I, I I've been doing stand-up. I realized for like uh, forever, for like off and on, like fifteen, maybe fifteen to seventeen years, let's say. And I had right. nothing to show for it. Literally nothing. And I felt. Uh, ashamed <laughs> i felt stupid so i thought i might as well, might as well um put you know, make, make sure all that time i invested in it uh, was for some sort of purpose and i i recorded it um in december uh little did i know that uh, all live entertainment was about to end uh for forever and um so it might be the the co- complete collection of my works i don't know yeah right and right, I, okay. I do have other material <laughs> that I didn't put on because I was thinking foolishly that like, oh, I'll do it on the next album. Uh, but who, who knows now? Well, I mean, it's not. It's not. OK, let's let's try to see the silver lining here. Maybe that is a that hopeful gesture of yours will come to fruition. Maybe it'll maybe you will do another live set in front of actual physical people. And it won't be a, some virtual mm-hmm. comedy thing. Let's 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 do that. Why don't we do that, you and I, right now? Okay, for uh, as like um, I don't know, intellectual exercise. I'll go along with you. A visualization, a positive visualization. <laughs> let's picture okay. me. Let's picture me showing up for one of your shows after I said I would. First of all, let's picture me there. And oh right, you're you're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, uh, I, I hate to call you out on your own show, Creative Control, but I believe you had said you were going to attend one of the recording nights uh, yeah. that turned into this album, and mm-hmm. and my goodness, uh, yeah. I held I held the show mm-hmm. an hour each mm-hmm. night yep. waiting for you to arrive, and uh, I was in a foul mood by the time I went on stage because I, I felt betrayed by you. So. Yes, yes. I, I think I may have even said it on the record on your uh, podcast, the, the landlord and tenant pod mess. I feel like I did. I think you've got me dead to rights. Dead to rights on that one, Mike. I uh, I must apologize. Yep. I I will lean on my standard litany of excuses. I'm a dad. I have two kids. I work a lot. I'm sorry. I live in. I lived at the time in yeah. Guelph, about an hour away. There was traffic. I couldn't make it. I was on my way. Flat right. tire. You know these things. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. That's, okay. Uh, I apologize, and I'm sorry to all the other patrons who uh, were made to wait. Because of my insensitivity, but yeah. where they I was were chanting your name <laughs> along with a swear by the end <laughs> oh, uh, of the night. Yes, so, yeah. I heard about it. I, I'm on Twitter. Uh, let yeah. me let me just uh, <laughs> go back, circle back. This happens with me on my show all the time. I start an idea, a thought, a point, and then I let the tangent take us wherever we should go. 
And my point was that on your record, Complete Discography, you make a point of highlighting the fact that it is a disastrous time uh, at the time in December for you personally to be a comedian because uh, (laughs) just not really uh, viable for you. And then we have a pandemic and all the comedians I know are saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. You're saying it now. So what was going on? What is the difference? You say it was. I guess you said you answered this already. There wasn't much of a difference between your material conditions pre-pandemic <laughs> and and the, those of everyone in your field now. So in a sense, you level everyone. The pandemic has leveled the playing field, and you're as good or yes. as bad as anyone else. Is that is that what you're telling yourself? To sleep at night. The pandemic has brought everyone down to our level, and by our, I mean uh, my friends, uh, the, uh, creative people, um, funny people, comedians. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I specifically have never really made a living doing stand-up comedy. I've always done it. I guess in <laughs> in the field of entertainment, I have made uh, you know I've put food on the table through uh, through writing jobs, but uh, I never went the like the the road dog comedian route, you know, driving all night to perform in a saloon in I don't know the Sault Saint Marie or something, because um, I feel like my comedy uh, has somewhat of a limited appeal in Canada. So, <laughs> yeah, just maybe the three urban centers <laughs> I could format uh, once a year. Now, what is what know. is it about your sensibility as a Canadian comedian that you feel is being rejected by your fellow citizens? What is it? What what is it about your tone, <laughs> your choice in subject matter that has alienated you from a whole nation of potential fans? I've repulsed all of my countrymen. Uh uh, it might be a physical thing. Might, I might just be uh, distasteful to look at. Um, no, you're a handsome man. I don't know. I can see I you th- right now. You're a very handsome man. I've encountered you uh, in public many times. Oh, thank we, you. you. I, I, I believe this might be your first appearance on the show uh, where I didn't take the risk of putting you in front of a live audience. Like I think you've only been on the show for live tapings, which, yeah. which should say something to you about yourself. Do you think <laughs> me as a producer would put a, a person who looks... Disgusting in front of my audience. Man. Why would I do that? No, I want good-looking people on stage. You should feel good. You've only been—you're one of my favorite live taping guests, is what I'm saying. Well, thank you. And now that you bring that up, it is—it tr- it is funny that I've only uh, been involved with this show uh, a with my podcasting partner and b only at the the at Toronto's Australian Arts Club, the Transact Club, where you recorded your. Your uh, live long winter creative control episodes. The uh, Australian and New yes, Zealand. That's I believe Transact. It's and that's correct. Club. That's correct. I don't remember what yes. all those letters stand for, but New Zealand is in there. So yes, let's not <laughs> let's not further ostracize a fan base in another nation. Uh, I'm trying to help you here, Mike. So let's not do that. Um, well, thank you. No, I, what is it? What is it about you and your and your comedy that isn't resonating? And this is a hard question. It's becoming a guidance counselor's meeting. But I, I think you're hilarious. Your album is fantastic. What, why, why isn't it well, uh, reaching the masses, so to speak? I feel like in it's like that classic thing of Canada's uh, too big and the population is too small, and so there's a general um, there's no room for niche comedy. And by niche comedy, I mean like uh, me and all my comedy friends, I guess, grew up, uh, you know, liking 
Kids in the Hall, SCTV, um, Mr. Show, and then, you know, Tim and Eric and stuff like that. And I feel that though that kind of thing, those are niche shows. They don't appeal to uh, hockey people who, you know, like to barbecue and uh, drink and drive and stuff like that, which is most of most of Canada, to be quite yeah. frank. Well, it's interesting you bring up some success stories in niche comedy there. You've brought up some people who did transcend a mm-hmm. little bit. Uh, you know, invariably, all of all of them yeah. have stories of being, you know, canceled or low ratings. Like, it, it's, it, it kind of bears out what you're saying. But I would assume those <laughs> kinds of comedians give you hope, right? Like, I've had... I think everyone you described has been on this show, and I've gotten to talk to them. Like, members of Kids in the Hall, Tim and Eric... Uh, uh, maybe no yeah. one from SCTV. Uh, I have talked to Martin Short, but not for this show. But no one really from SCTV. But all this to say, uh, those people mean a lot to me. And they inspired me to think right. differently about comedy. And and so, and I, and we view them, I think, as successful. Like the top tier of niche comedy success. Yeah. And maybe, is it just luck? How does that happen? What is going on there? I think the factor we're not acknowledging here is that all of that success happened because of uh, a little country called the United States of America, <laughs> right. including yes, the kids in the true. hall. America does have room for niche uh, comedy, or like the UK does. It's, and I don't know, I guess there are some examples that I am ignoring, like Trailer Park Boys, but that has like an international you know, following or things like Nirvana, the band, the show had a had a good run. But uh, I guess what I'm saying is that I am bitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of what I was trying to get at there. I um, I think you're unheralded. You got you're unheralded and unappreciated. I will I will say that I, I agree. I agree on some level. But we do. You, I, I I noticed a lot of my heroes though, <laughs> and a lot of the like the art or music that I gravitate toward. I've realized recently. They are, like, very unpopular, like, kind of, uh... Do you know the band Felt? This British band Felt? Yeah. That were, like, contem- contemporaries with, like, the Smiths and New Order and stuff, and they're amazing, but they were just, like, complete commercial failures. <laughs> and right. I I think I'm, like, attracted to that kind of thing. Not saying I want to be, uh, you know, have that kind of story myself, but uh, something about that uh, I find appealing. <laughs> Well, I think you're also like you mentioned felt, and I think of the damned. Like it, when the Sex Pistols and the Clash, kind of everyone vaguely has some sense of who they are. Meanwhile, the Damned were just as good, if not better, than a couple of those bands. Um, yeah, relatively unheralded, but they're still around, which is something. That's a testament. And you mentioned uh, niche comedians. Like I was just watching the uh, Eddie Pepitone special the other day. Right. And here's a guy who is kind of on the margins, like he uh, is what they would call a comedian's comedian or what have you, <laughs> right. you know, like the the people in the art form are like, this is the guy, this is the person, you know, that we should be, that's what I wanted to be. And for some reason, I've transcended that uh, fame wise, like Patton Oswalt is someone who's often championing the people that mean the most to him. And so, and, right. and I think like people like Eddie Pepitone, George Wallace is great on Twitter, like a long, like a <laughs> like a older comedian. And I feel like they're just hung, they're hanging in there. They just they keep going and they keep doing stuff. Yes. And they and and I think if you stick to it, Mike, uh, that's your future. <laughs> this has turned into a pep talk, and I I, I don't like it. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> but, I, but I appreciate it. <laughs> You're rejecting my pep talk. That is 
that might be the problem. It just might be you. It might be your attitude. Like, I'm trying to help you feel good about yourself. I feel yourself. like I'm responsible, yeah. I'm, I'm getting a pep talk from a man who lied to me about attending one of my <laughs> live album tapings. So that's where I'm at right now. This is I, not I, good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, it says yeah. a lot about your status and mine, frankly, that we're in this position. Uh, no, okay, so... Yes, go ahead, has, I was talking. To, I was talking to a friend in uh, Winnipeg last week, and he said that like live concerts and comedy shows and stuff have already started up again. Is are things happening in Edmonton? Can you go and see a, a gig in Edmonton right now? Or uh, they, they call it the Wild West for a reason. As we're speaking, <laughs> it's it is the end of July. Uh, as of August first, it's going to be mandatory uh, to wear face masks in all indoor settings. I, as I mentioned to you, I was just at the grocery store, and mm. uh, I was watching ne'er do wells walk in without any masks. I go in with the mask and the rubber gloves. Uh, much right. to the chagrin of people, are like I don't think the gloves do anything. I'm like, does anyone really know what anything does? I don't think they do. <laughs> No one really knows. Like, it changes week to you're week. You're wearing a bolo tie. I'm not going to take <laughs> advice from you, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's always Tucker Carlson telling me how to dress, and I don't like it. No, my uh, he doesn't wear the bolo tie, but you understand. Yes, bolo tie, it's not all cowboys and uh, horses here, by the way, in Edmonton. That is a cheap shot. My point here is uh, they. It, it's all a leadership thing. Like You're from Ontario, Mike. Uh, you're a leader there. You're premier. Mm-hmm. Doug Ford uh, has somehow emerged as a vaguely, I think, a hero during the pandemic. And I'll tell you, that guy is one of the reasons I, I said, I'm sick of Ontario. I can't do this anymore. Let's look elsewhere. And I mean, right. I, I'm in Alberta, which is arguably in a worse political. It's the, lo- <laughs> the least popular premier in the country is this ultra conservative fella here in Alberta. So I didn't exactly run... Right towards the right hills uh but i it is a leadership thing so edmonton's cracking down now there was a city council vote as of august 1st everyone's gonna wear masks inside people are gonna lose their minds uh in terms of events i don't exactly know because i i don't know okay you make live you do live you're an entertainer and you do live shows uh partially to sustain yourself as a as a as a as a comedian and i I'm a concert goer primarily. I, when I was in Ontario, uh, I don't know if you and I were in the same rooms for any of these, but once or twice a week, Mike, I would go to a show. I would travel to Toronto. Right. And I, I haven't done that since the crackdown. I've been to two or three shows in Edmonton since we moved here, and then they shut everything down. Don't miss it. Don't miss it at all. I, I, <laughs> you don't like, miss- oh. I don't. I really don't. I feel bad for the musicians who are struggling, but I don't miss the... I haven't had a chance to stop and think... Man, it'd be great to go to a show right now. Um, it's nothing to do with the experience. I'm just there's bigger things going on. Don't you find that a little bit? Yeah, I I guess now that I think about it, I don't really miss going to live music uh, or like concerts and stuff. Um, and you're a huge music. You're a big music fan, right? I love the I love the damn stuff, but yeah, I don't really miss going to shows. Just like standing, two hours usually it gets less and less fun unless it's someone you really have been waiting to see or yeah um, yeah I, I think I miss movies and and going to comedy shows more than anything else. The last concert I saw 
was Destroyer in Toronto at the Opera oh. House. And I was surprised it went on because, like, it was already, I believe, the beginning of March when yeah. the idea of coronavirus was, was already in the news. Um, but the concert was great. It was full. No one seems to have passed away. So, uh, You don't know. No one's tracking those people. The Destroyer fans. Yeah. No, I, yeah, okay, that's, so sorry, is it loosening up in Ontario, or are you asking me this because you're, that's not been your experience? The restrictions, um, well, I Well, mean. no, they, they have, I don't think there's going to be any live music uh, here for the rest of the year. Um, they have announced that indoor performances with, like, no more than, I think, 50 or 100 people can restart, but it. What are you going to do? Sit, like, go see Gordon Lightfoot in Massey Hall with a hundred people spread out <laughs> throughout the whole yeah beautiful concert hall, and then he gets sick and you feel guilty about it for the rest of your life because you went, you killed. You're like, like I, yeah, I, yeah, I, you, you killed. Yeah, I, I don't want to be responsible for killing Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I'm yeah. I'm trying to not go to stuff, and but I feel bad. Like you are a performer. I assume this is this is eating into your bottom line. Uh, as we established already, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Not, you know, more, more so. Again, I'll I'll say is some like writing writing gigs that sort of are on on hold until um, they find a way to to do them again. To get that's a whole other that's a whole other kettle of fish. You're a writer, so writing for TV. Who have you written for? Anything we would uh, we would know or anything <laughs> like that? Uh, probably, I didn't yeah. mean that disparaging. <laughs> I did not mean that disparagingly. I'm just, I'm cong- I'm cognizant of the fact that other people are listening from around the world. So yes. you, I didn't mm-hmm. want to pre- presume anything. Who, who have you written uh, for? When you say you've written comedy, Mike, who, who, who have you written for, or what have you written for? You want names? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like a lot of Canadian <laughs> comedians, I've uh, done some of the usual things, like uh, did a couple seasons on This Hour Has 22 Minutes. Uh, I did um, a bit of The Beaverton, which was a CTV uh, news satire show that uh, unfortunately was canceled right after it? its its um, best season on record. <laughs> Oh no! And uh, I didn't realize it was. Uh, I've had those Beaverton people on this show, and we've chatted, and uh, I'm sad to hear that. Oh yeah, I think. I mean, the website I think is still uh, still chugging along, but the show uh, was not renewed. Um, uh, I did okay. a, a brief uh, stint on some other shows, but yeah. But I, <laughs> I was I was supposed to be on a, a new show that got sort of delayed uh, thanks to Mr. COVID. So yeah, this oh. is where I was going. Oh, what? What you got something? Another thing, not not a TV show, but your listeners may know it. Uh, the CBC show, this is that the radio show. I uh, I worked on that as well. That was a funny show uh, produced uh, by my old colleague Chris Kelly, actually. Oh, hey, from Chris. my from my CBC days. Yeah, uh, I broached this. Uh, this is going to start to get depressing. I just want to warn everybody listening right now. <laughs> Because we've got a stand-up comedian on the show. I don't know if you're just tuning into this podcast. I know you've been flipping the dials, but we have a comedian on the show today named uh, Michael uh, Balazzo, and he is a stand-up comedian. Uh, there is no stand-up comedy occurring at the moment, and now uh, his uh, his backup plan is to write uh, comedy for various <laughs> productions. I assume, Mike, it's fair to say most of those productions are on hold, uh, probably indefinitely, Correct. It's that seems to be the case. Although I do have friends who keep telling me that they're they're working, and I'm like, what? 
what do you mean? But um, yeah, I'm um, I'm some of the shows are they're slowly trying to figure out a way. I think to shoot things or hold hold you know read throughs uh, in a way right. that doesn't get people sick. Right now, you have a, a self produced, uh, self made podcast. Uh, which is good. I mean, that gives you that outlet. I know from my own experience, that's not something that can always pay. The, does that pay any of your uh, bills? It's getting weird. I'm we sorry. Do I don't mean to. This is not a financial. Do you want me to? Do you want me assessment. to send you my banking information? Yes. yes, I would. Just generally, not even for this. I just would like your banking information. I'm sure, sure everyone listening would too. No, All I'm right. sorry. I don't mean to go. Is this weird? Is this weird? We're going. This is a material condition situation. You're a stand-up comedian. You're one of the first I've had on the show. Yes. Is a pandemic. Uh, all these industries are drying up. Uh, I mean, I'm losing yes. hours at work. Everything's crazy. So I, it's, I feel like we talk about it, we commiserate a little, and yes. and that's it. I mean, there's not much to say or do about it. It's all kind of under. Do you get the? Uh, there's the governments around the world are providing subsidies for people like, <laughs> ideally for people like you and me, and that's uh, that's in theory good. Uh, and I know yeah. like you've made a few comments uh, on the show already about how. In Canada, like with a little bit of a <laughs> little tone, you know, for Canadians, like you have a little, I know you're bitter. We've already established that. But do you not like Canada at all, Mike? <laughs> I think it's a good country unless you want to be a creative person and then you should, then you are cursed. <laughs> no, it's, it could be okay. You know, James Hartnett and I, our podcast, we have a Patreon. And would you believe, Vish, that... um our subscribers help us uh, raise about $140 a month. That's good. Uh, that's not that bad. To cover our expenses. Right. Yeah. That's your That's your internet mm-hmm. fees almost for the year, I hope. I don't know what you're spending your internet fees on. But. <laughs> yeah. We use um, a U.S. military uh, service provider, so it's very expensive, but it's the fastest Wi-Fi available. Right. Um, well, they need it. They need it yeah. for their various... Task. Okay, so you got the... Okay, thanks for being so candid. Now I'm very uncomfortable. I was hoping you would lie and say it was doing better, but... Do you have a Patreon? Yeah, it's it's fine. I Yes, it's also modest. Okay. Yeah, it's... page. It, but I... Do you do exclusive content on your Patreon? <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do. But James and I are very bad at having a... Um, sort, sort of sticking to a schedule for our bonus material... Yes, so I understand why it uh, the Patreon hasn't uh, exactly blown up, but it is our intention to to release stuff more regularly soon. Well, I, I have one too, and it is also irregularly scheduled, and I need to fix that. I'm just trying to get used to the pandemic uh, workflow, uh, so to speak, because I do have to work. Uh, the common phrase is "more with less," so they cut your hours a little bit, but they still anticipate. Not everything's fine. Actually, I'm fine. I'm just I pack a lot into my <laughs> I pack a lot into my weeks. Right. Anyway. I can't tell if my boat. Do you steal? Can you steal supplies from work at least to offset? You know, no, I'm the thing they're ripping you off. No, kind they're of. fine. They're, it's great. I have this is okay. okay. How about this? We have gone negative this whole time, <laughs> and I want to flip it. What about the bright sides of the of the pandemic experience? Because I actually, to be honest, uh, yes, it's uh, fraught economically and. Uh, Socially, culturally, mm-hmm. uh, bad for our mental health uh, on so many levels. However, I get up in the morning. I don't have to catch a bus or a subway. I'm up nope. and I'm with my. I have children, and uh, that's complicated uh, to try to raise the children, but also do the work 
at the same time. Absolutely, that is uh, frustrating. But we're bonding in a way. Like there's there's probably more tension than there would be because we're we're all contained yeah. in one place. But I actually there's some bright spots. Like I'm not commuting. I'm, I haven't had an outside restaurant meal, Mike, since like March. Yeah, cooking a lot, feeling good about that. Uh, just going to the grocery store. Uh, you can get out of things. I'm sorry, I can't come to your your child's birthday because I can't. Yes. Is the pan? So I view this all as frills, bonus pandemic frills. <laughs> Do you have bright spots? Are there bright sides to this for you? I guess. Yeah, I've been watching a zillion movies. I've I haven't watched this many movies for years and years. That's been that's been good. I guess reading a bunch and. Uh, yeah, cooking has been nice. <laughs> I try. I try <laughs> oh God, I uh, I tried to uh, to start jogging and I hate it, so I stopped. I stopped jogging. Are it's you? Good. Uh, it's yeah. I run. I tried to. I was trying to get my son and I to go every morning mm-hmm. and do a little jog before we shoot around at the uh, school playground near us as a a basketball and that a rickety old uh, chain mesh. <laughs> basketball net and i was trying to get us to do little laps of their uh their, their the field and then you know to warm up but we did that like twice and but i will say in this anxiety inducing time exercise they what they say mike i know you hate it if you have any anxiety the running it's good because it actually uh, exhausts you I, th- I think the whole goal is you exhaust yourself and then you don't have the energy to be anxious <laughs> <laughs> right. I think there's a little yeah. it's true I think it's true like I sleep better if I'm exercising because I'm wiped out and yes. if I don't if I don't go out and for walks or runs or play basketball I'm more wound up and I can't sleep and so and then it that affects your the, the next day because you're not well rested so does that help you now this is this is great I feel like this is a comprehensive Mike Balazzo makeover we, interview we've is covered my finances now we're going to health um who knows where this will end? Uh, spirituality? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I did used to go to a, to a gym, and it really does suck to not be able to go. And I don't, even though my gym is reopening uh, tomorrow, I think I will not be heading back there anytime soon uh, because it seems uh, like uncharted uh, waters. I'm going to see what happens before I go back there. Um, so I are you with to, me? Like just stay, staying home is probably the way to go, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to restaurants. I'm not going to go see a movie um, or go to a gym. So I tried to do some some exercises uh, using YouTube videos and just doing it on the floor of my apartment. And uh, that has had mixed results. But uh, I guess I'll try running again. I I would encourage it. It is helpful. Um, There's a couple of things I want to touch upon. Uh, Don't make me forget about the movies you've watched because that feel like we could have a nice exchange every time i'm on your show the last time mm-hmm. you guys kind of surprised me uh, i was a year in <laughs> review show was that just this past december that i was on the show yeah your show yeah yes and we did like a, a year in review of comedy is that what we did i, I think a year in of, a review for the arts in general and maybe politics also uh did, it was but very, didn't it was, i end up but didn't i just end up reading a top 10 of my comedy picks for exclaim and then you guys were on it I think you did, yeah. Anyway, we probably talked yes. about a lot of stuff, but then as I kept listing things, you made the observation that you and James had not watched or seen any of it. Uh, as comedy <laughs> people were like, true. wait, I haven't seen this show. I haven't read that book. I don't know what you're talking about, which I thought was funny. But yeah. I want to talk about some of the movies you've watched because if, if there's some common ground there, I just wanted to follow up on that. 
I listen to more uh, vinyl records than I ever have. I I've been watching. Right. I watch uh, my as we're speaking. My wife and I are going to wrap up our. I feel like I, I'm trying to remember. You know, how there's certain series shows, uh, and you've rewatched them like a bunch, um, and to the point where you can't remember. Like I, for me, it's like you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Seinfeld, The Sopranos. If I want to, I can right. call upon them and watch them again. And we're just about to wrap up The Wire. And as it's uh, like we're in the final episodes of season five, did you ever watch that show, first of all? <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> right, I, guess, I think I get the like gist. Our, it's our like interview. the gist is yeah. what crime is bad and police can, can also be criminals. And it's Baltimore and Tom Waits is involved. He's an actor in the show. Uh, no, okay. Steve Earle is an actor in the show, okay. and Method Man as well from the from the Wu Tang Clan. Okay, Tom Waits has a song that is, I uh, uh, there are interpretations of a Tom Waits song. Each season has a different interpretation of a Tom Waits song, mm-hmm. including his own. Like it's the same song covered by different people. Right. Uh, is, is that what you were? Anyway, The Wire is <laughs> fantastic. But all I was getting at is, as we were watching it, I'm like, I think we only watched this one time through. And we own it. Like, we own the series. Right. Like, the box set. And I was like, I don't remember anything because it was so dense and intense that I think I... It can't be true. This must be the third time through. It's not like me to watch things just once, particularly if I I made the effort to buy it. Um, Anyway, I've been loving the time. Don't you feel like the time... You mentioned everything you mentioned there. Reading, the the movies, time. Yes. We have some time. Doesn't that feel nice? Just to have some time to catch up? It does feel nice uh, to have the time to read and watch movies and listen to music. At, at first, it seemed like very novel, uh, very uh, fun and unusual. But I guess now that the time, <laughs> now that it's like a few months into it, it is a bit like, um, I don't know. Do you find yourself wondering, like I do, like, it, it, will this ever end? Is this the rest of my life mm. kind of thing like just sort of um pausing just like waiting for something to happen no because <laughs> i learned the hard way from no i don't because i learned the hard way from a personal experience with my mom being ill that what they said about my mom's illness at the beginning was here's our plan it's going to take around this long and at the end of it we should be okay and but all we heard was here's the plan and so every month we fretted and were worried. And then when it was sort of over, so to speak, I mean, with, with cancer, it's never quite over uh, in that it could come back. But when when everything was said and done and I could see through everything that had happened, I'm like, this is exactly what they said was going to happen. I've been having like anxiety for six months or whatever it had been. Right. But then when I thought about it, I'm like, this is literally what they said at the beginning. So by that same token, by that same measure epidemiologists when this really in March were like we got like 18 months of this at least right uh, you know maybe two years of this and and so I'm in a weird spot where I follow that that line of uh, information and what I'm finding is the people I talk to do not uh, <laughs> so everything they've said for the most part like they're like it's mutating and it's doing and we think it was doing this and now it's doing that but the timeline for the vaccine and uh, the trials for the vaccine, everything seems to be happening just as they said it would right. in March. So I don't have that anxiety yet, that existential, like, is this just how it's going to be? Right. Um, because that 18 months to two years thing was all, like, 
managing it based on human behavior not really being up to the task of (laughs) (laughs) jettisoning this from our lives. Like, they kind of were like, "Eh, if everyone did the right thing, this would happen. But now we are seeing people aren't able to will themselves to think of others instead of themselves, and they just go and do whatever (laughs) they want to do. And so that, I have very little, uh, I try to be a, are you an optimist, Mike? I, <clears throat> I uh, try to be, but I, uh, I think I might put myself a bit, a little, a tad on the pessimist side of, of things. But I, I try I, to, yeah, to be less so. Yeah. I don't know if these are mutually exclusive. Are you? And I don't even know if I'm using the term correctly. But I want to, I want to employ the term humanist. But I don't think that is. It's there's probably a, a technical actual definition of it i just mean like i don't know that i believe in humanity that much like i'm a very frustrated with people kind of person sometimes i want to believe people are good and will do the right thing and that i try to when i make mistakes i try to learn from them and all that stuff like i I hope that's what's going on but this little era that we've experienced the the kind of lack of self-awareness and learning from recent extremely recent mistakes has really put me in a position to doubt that putting all our faith in each other to get us through this is the right course of action. Because I yeah. feel insane when I go, well, I just told you, I went to the grocery store. People not doing anything. And I'm like masked gloves. I've been reading things and I try, and I know that's information and all that stuff, but I feel like it's pretty much out there that we have a, a situation. Yeah. Why can't our leadership just say, hey, everyone, like the city council in Edmonton, you got to do this. That's it. <laughs> If we want to survive this together, everyone has to do the same thing. There's no wishy-washy. Have you had anti-mask protests in Edmonton or anywhere in Alberta? Like we've had a few in Toronto, and I saw a man walking around Kensington Market uh, wearing a shirt that said "Hugs, not masks," and uh, yeah, yeah, I was yeah, wearing yeah. a mask I've, I've at seen, the time. Yeah. I've, I've seen <laughs> I've seen those people on the news. Uh, yeah. We have had those protests here, uh, and. <laughs> And that's as we're speaking. And I, t- I, by the way, I take no joy. There's no Schadenfreude crap here. As we're speaking, <laughs> uh, U.S. presidential uh, nominee at one point, uh, political personality Herman Cain, uh, has passed away. And he was at the Tulsa, Oklahoma Trump rally. No mask, no social distancing. And yeah. so I can see, like, Twitter's a weird place right now. And I, I try to manage Twitter. Uh, I manage a, a Twitter account for Exclaims Comedy Site, and I am always trying to share funny things. But it's some right now. All the funny stuff is bleak. I told you so. <laughs> righteous stuff. And do you know where I'm coming from with this? Like, have you seen? Yeah, that? I did see. Like on Twitter, people were like, "Yeah, fuck Herman Cain. Uh, what an <laughs> idiot." It's like uh, he just that's died. a little extreme. Like he was a he was kind of like a curious political figure for a while i'm sure he had terrible opinions about things but it he was he wasn't it's not like joseph stalin is dead and we're all like dancing in the streets because herman cain passed away like he was a republican and uh we've politicized everything we've politicized human life right so yeah again i'm not a fan of herman cain i he was an oddity frankly he was one of those candidates that you're just like why is this even happening yeah, and then, I think it's sad whenever anyone who founded a pizzeria chain passes away. I just like to make absolutely. that clear. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And one who, uh, you know, ties the whole branding to Italian stereotypes. That's how it's the worst. <laughs> I feel bad for everyone at Godfather's Pizza for having to face uh, yeah. the, the malice of the masses uh, for poor Harmon <laughs> King. Anyway, I don't know where I was even coming from with this, but uh, I, I, I do want to. I, one thing that I, I thought I think we of, were saying, oh. I think you got to this place because we, we, we had agreed that it's nice to listen to records and read books. <laughs> <laughs> have the time to read uh, Herman Cain's obituary. What a time yeah. it is. You mentioned uh, uh, the gym, and uh, there's a very uh, funny bit on your new record about uh, your uh, encounters with a physical trainer. And I, I don't know how to do this. I don't want to ask you to replicate the bit, but can you tell that story? <laughs> uh, because I often wonder about physical trainers. When I've been at gyms and like, does that really work? Is that a good thing to do? Just briefly, what was your experience like having a physical trainer, Mike? Well, it was something I had I I had thought like it would be a good idea to have a professional sort of you know design a, a program, a workout program for me because I think I know what I'm doing, but I I could probably use some help. And so they at the gym they had a. Uh, a free evaluation day <laughs> with a personal trainer. Just like so this. I went this, is into, a, this is like a free evaluation day. This podcast. Yeah. Yeah. This is like that. Uh, what's that thing? Every podcast has better help now. They have ads for better help. That uh, Do they? like online therapy thing. And all the ads are like, is there something getting in the way of your happiness? But they don't. <laughs> it's like, yeah, everyone's unemployed and there's a, a disease <laughs> ravaging the world. <laughs> it's like, is there something getting in the way of your happiness? Talk to a professional about whatever that mysterious thing is. Anyway, right. yeah. I uh, my gym had a free evaluation with a personal trainer and I went in and the guy like had me like do as many push- push-ups as I could and like uh, sit-ups and like had me stretch and... Um, weighed me and stuff and at the end he was like uh your looks like your testosterone is drying up <laughs> which which wasn't a huge surprise and then uh he promised that he could put together an amazing like workout program for me that would change my life but it was going to cost $8500 and then I was like oh that's why I don't have a personal trainer <laughs> uh it's just a it's a scam I guess like I don't know yeah and he uh, had, that's he not had the a- whole joke yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah. People should check out the record. But he had a particular way of talking that made you feel like perhaps uh, his expertise might be questionable. Is that fair to say? Just well, to t- I in the bit, I impersonate him and I give him a, a dumb man voice, it's like a dumb guy voice, because he's uh, just a big, dumb, muscle-bound guy who's uh, not very smart. <laughs> right. Probably not, probably, not the guy, also, probably not the kind of guy who would wear a mask right now, is what you're saying. No, in public. <laughs> probably right. not. Yeah. Or if he did wear a mask, it would be like one of those thin blue line masks or like right. a mask of like really sharp shark's teeth. So like you, it's a scary mask. Yes, right. I, uh, Not this guy in the bit, but I had another personal trainer interaction once where I was uh, in my gym and a sort of like enterprising personal trainer came up and just introduced himself to me and he was like, hey, uh, I can uh, give you a tip on how you can do that better. And uh, he showed me how to, whatever, lift a weight in a nicer way. And then <laughs> he got talking to me and that question of like, this is why I never usually answer anyone when, they're, when they ask what I do, because it just leads to like oh, a nightmare. Right, right. He's like, so what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm a, I do comedy stuff. 
And then this like 400 pound gigantic like humorless man was like, I'm actually very interested in uh, stand up comedy and I actually have some material. I'd love to uh, take you out for a, a you know pizza and a beer and uh, run my material by you and uh, get some honest feedback. And I think he got my email address from the gym's database oh and emailed me God. about meeting and I never responded. <laughs> so and many. then oh. for the next two months, whenever I went to the gym, I was like always like sneaking around to make sure this guy didn't see me and it kind of ruined going to the gym for a while. Did he send you actual material or was it just like, let's meet up? It was just a let's meet up uh, thing so that he could show me the material later. Yeah. It's a very bizarre. There's a lot of layers to that story. You've got a physical trainer suggesting you have pizza and a beer. Yeah. That's not good for you. Yeah. Uh, and, no. And then he wants you to take be- me out for a smoothie and you know a salad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even if you're going to Wendy's, have the salad. Like why? Anyway, yeah, weird. Uh, that's strange. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's a very funny bit, and there's lots of very funny bits on the record. And uh, I encourage <laughs> everyone to check out the uh, the uh, Kurt Cobain story, which uh, I. Uh, I enjoyed very much as well, if I might say, and I don't want to spoil that, but that's really good. Now you mentioned you. you mentioned movies uh, that you've been watching, and I look at this. I'm doing a yes. callback. Uh, tell me some mm-hmm. of the movies you've watched recently. If we land on one that we've both seen, I want to do a quick uh, critique uh, discussion about whatever film uh, we land on. So give me some examples of some films you've uh, been watching lately. So they seemed so I got as a birthday gift uh, the Criterion channel and so I've been watching a lot of movies from there. Uh-huh. Uh a bunch of French movies and some Italian ones. Some uh let me see here. Purple Noon. <laughs> okay. Have you seen that? I have that not. turned into the no. fabulous Mr. Ripley. Oh right. Later. Talented um, Mr. Talented Mr. Ripley. Talent the fabulous. <laughs> he was not that fabulous. He was talented. He wasn't fabulous. Yeah. Oh, The Wages of Fear and Diabolique, which are amazing. Yeah. And then, have you ever seen The Long Good Friday with Bob Hoskins and Helen Mirren? No, but that sounds like an amazing cast. It's an amazing, uh, like, British gangster movie set in, like, 1979, and Bob Hoskins is this, like, East End London gangster whose uh, business is being, like, shouldered in on by the IRA. <laughs> right. And uh, it has a really funky soundtrack as well. Um, so it seems to me that you you are a, an artsy film person, and I I used to be. I've kind of you mentioned giving uh, not uh, really missing going to the movies. I have to say I have not been as engaged <laughs> with the cinematic arts as I once really? once was. Well, I back to my kind of um, misanthropic uh, tendencies now. Like I would get so annoyed by other people at the movies talking, right, and whatever that I was like I can't deal with this anymore because I'd always end up almost getting in a fist fight with someone <laughs> and, and I was just because they were talking during a movie and like on some level maybe they're right but we all paid why are you having a full some people go to the movies together because they haven't had a chance to talk and hang out and then they just talk during the movies like I would take my kids to movies all the time right. and these parents would just talk like full <laughs> bore just like the whole time and I couldn't handle it so I stopped going and uh, and that's kind of tainted my whole appreciation. For, I watched uh, JFK the other day. Have you seen JFK? <laughs> uh, I haven't for years. Uh, but why yeah, why did I you decide to go back and revisit JFK? Well, I don't know what's going on, but uh, maybe in light of recent events, I um, I don't know what had happened. I was putting, I was unpacking some stuff when I moved here. I had all my kind of twenties and thirties era Vish stuff. But before I left Ontario, my parents were like, hey, you know what would be good? 
why don't you take everything? Everything <laughs> you've ever owned or written in, just take all of it. So I came upon the Malcolm X soundtrack, which I had on tape from a self-serve gas station I used to work at. They were they would sell tapes. And I was like, oh, yeah, that soundtrack. I love that soundtrack. And then I looked up the movie, and one of the streaming services had it on my Apple TV. And I watched it, and it was great. And then I don't know what happened. Uh, I had to build some furniture. <laughs> and I, I just said to the, to the remote, uh, JFK, find JFK. <laughs> and it found it. So I watched it, and it's uh, it's not great, but I also it just took me back to that '90s. I think because my parents gave me everything, and my formative time is the '90s. Right. You know, I've had to go through a lot. Did you see the things I posted where I found all my old Exclaim magazines from the '90s? I saw some of those. Yeah. Like, was it one of the yeah. first things you ever published? No, no, no. It wasn't my writing. No, 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 no. I, I oh, no, is, no, I'm no. not that old. Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> it was just that I had in high school. I had in high school, I would collect, uh, I was a media person, like I'm a media person now, right? And I just mm-hmm. want to, just to show you my, my my bona fides, I would collect Exclaim magazine, physical copies of Exclaim, and uh, there was a thing in the in where I lived called ID, and it was like a weekly, alt-weekly, and, uh, and and I would just keep it. I would never throw those things out. Other would you take multiple copies of, like, of each issue? Yeah. I did actually. That's a, why did you home in on that? How did you know I did that? I've done that a few times in my life, like uh, getting a couple copies of like a Now magazine that I thought was going to be like historically important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I posted one of those too. I posted the one uh, that came out the week I saw Johnny Cash. Uh, I probably okay. got it when the night we went to see Johnny Cash in uh, November twenty sixth, nineteen ninety six. And they interviewed Johnny Cash. Can you imagine? Now Magazine got to interview Johnny Cash. And uh, wow, I just blew my mind. And so, I mean, at the time, I didn't think twice about that. Well, they're a magazine, they're a paper, whatever they are. Of course, they get to talk to Johnny Cash. But now that I know stuff, I know that's a big get. How do you get Johnny Cash? Well, they probably said, we'll put him on the cover. You know, we'll, we'll put him right on the cover. Right. And sure enough, he was on the cover. And I watched it. I Magazine I must have been so jealous that uh, Now Magazine got Johnny Cash. <laughs> They probably were. I have a bunch of i i weeklies as well. I had so these boxes, these moldy cardboard boxes full of like you know mite infested newsprint, and mm-hmm. I have it all in in this new house. I moved across the country almost, almost, and it just all came with me. I'm like Pigpen from Peanuts. Everything just came with me, <laughs> and uh, I don't know where I was going with this one either. But I just I think I'm in a weird '90s. Are you a '90s person? Like is that your formative yeah, I- time? They they were, but I, I don't think I'm like I'm not like uh, I don't uh, surround myself with '90s <laughs> music and imagery and no, fashions I don't do and that. stuff like that. No, I don't do that either. <laughs> I don't think. But wait, I you're just, wearing a I, Beavis and Butthead shirt, and over no, your shoulder I see a Ren and Stimpy poster. What is going on? It is actually no joke. Slint. I'm wearing a. Slint t-shirt who were big in the 90s. Yeah, I have some 90s issues. I thought a lot of good <laughs> stuff was made there. I think I'm going down this road because of the Kurt Cobain uh, reference I made earlier for you. I just thought maybe you, he meant a lot to you and, uh, right, Nirvana? You yeah. like Nirvana. Yeah. I did. They, I mean, like every other boy my age at the time, I guess I love them a lot. And I, I never got to see them. Did you ever see them? Like, I think the only yeah. chance I would have had would have been the In Utero Tour yeah. When I think Maple, they Maple Leaf Gardens. Maple Leaf Gardens. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a big regret of mine. I 
I um, was starting to go to shows around then. So that would have been, I think that show was in 93, February 93, I think. And so I would have been, uh, carry the one. See, I would have been like 16, I think. And I'd started to go to some shows and there were mosh pits and I didn't like them. Uh, Because of, I think, some latent anxiety and claustrophobia issues that I didn't really know I had at the time. I Plus, just you had like, all I, that printed material, and you didn't want it to get ripped and jostled. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. I carried a, a garbage bag full of Exclaim magazines with me everywhere I went, uh, and so I didn't want them to get wrecked, um, just because I like to stay informed, and uh, this was before smartphones. That was me. I was ahead of my time. By the way, also, yeah. I was YouTube. I, I also have uncovered all these VHS tapes. I would tape clips, bands on shows. I have all of it. It's all here. So any like pavement on some show, it's down in my basement right. when they were on Cohen. And you know what? I-, I feel like there's no, like you have all that Exclaim and Now Magazine stuff and all these old clips. A lot of that stuff has disappeared. Like, yes. D- depending on how famous the band was or whatever, sometimes that stuff can be on YouTube. But there, we, I always thought that everything was just going to be preserved forever on the internet. There's so much missing. Yes. Uh, yes, and it's I have wild. a lot of it. I have a lot of it, and I was yeah. a fervent. Uh, I like the show. <laughs> did, you, did you ever see the show uh, Twitch City? Do you remember that show? Don McKellar and uh, yes, it was like set in Kensington Molly, Market. That's right, Molly Molly Parker, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I uh, taped all of those. Taped every episode of those, and I I'm sure now you can get a nice uh, DVD. It's probably on the Criterion Channel or something. You probably get a nice. Please, uh, <laughs> please don't tell me that you have. A big stack of VHS tapes of every episode of the Red Green Show that you no, I know transported you, across Canada. No, when I by the way, when I homed in on your film viewing, I thought we'd be talking about the Great Outdoors. I thought we'd be talking about <laughs> Blues Brothers Two Thousand. You have a Dan Aykroyd thing. You also have a Red Green thing. For those who don't know, who is Red Green, Mike? Uh, please characterize who he is to the people. Who, tell the people at home who Why Red Green t- is. Red Green, to put it, uh, I guess, simply, he's the top dog at the Possum Lodge, and uh, he's a kind of crusty old guy who <laughs> hangs out with his friends, and uh, a lot of men, I guess, who are trying to uh, avoid their wives, and they like to tinker with uh, machines and uh, build things, and they're not very good at it, yeah. but uh, they mean well. So and, character, uh, it's like believe... a comedic, comedic character, right? That was yes. the, That was the idea. He was a... Outdoorsy comedic Canadian icon, and you, yeah, and he's you come- are vaguely obsessed with him. <laughs> I just, yeah, it just seemed to always be on in the background when I was a teenager and in my twenties, and I just, I can't believe that it had such longevity, and now it's back. It's back from the grave as a podcast. Yes, that they aren't they charging people for it. You can only listen to the podcast if you pay. <laughs> you can only and, and and as I recall from a recent episode of your podcast, they were trying to get people to tune in at a specific time to listen to the podcast. Well, they announced they announced what time the first episode was going to drop, which is a very funny because like we release podcasts, you don't like when you publish it, you don't know exactly like here's the hour unless you set it up beforehand, I guess. You can schedule it to be released at a certain time. Yeah, like that's I, what Red Green must be up to. Well, I yeah. was consistently yes, I consistently put my show out at like two a.m. Mountain Time on Wednesdays. Now you know, like that's the thing podcast people right. do. But I don't say, "Hey, everyone, 
tune in at 2 a.m. <laughs> to hear my podcast. And I heard you and James just riffing on that, and I thought it was very funny. Uh, uh, anyway, all this to say, uh, I don't even know what, <laughs> what we were talking about exactly, except that... Uh, oh, Nirvana. Yeah, the chance Nirvana. to see Nirvana, yeah, we that's both right. blew it. Thank you for yeah. catching me back up on wherever we left from. Yeah, I was so frightened. I didn't realize it was at Maple Leaf Gardens, which meant there were seats. And someone offered me a ticket. I'm like, I don't think I should. I don't want to be in a mosh pit. I'd had a traumatic experience, like relatively recent, uh, maybe that past summer. I went to see like, uh, I think it was uh, another roadside attraction with the tragically hip. Or was that after? <laughs> anyway, I don't remember the timeline, but there was a mosh pit, and I didn't like it. Like being in a field when you're like, you know, what I was 14, 15 years old, and I was a, I was, I will just, I was a chicken shit. And I still, I don't like, I don't like that stuff. I don't like it. I'm a, like, I like punk and I always avoided that. I was like, ah, oh, what is, why can't we just watch the thing? Why does there have to be like this thing where you take yeah. it over and ruin it for the people who just want to watch the show? I always hated that stuff. Anyway, all this to say, yeah, I know I never got to see them and I regret it. And you didn't either. <laughs> I never got to see them, but every, so now the Maple Leaf Gardens is a big Loblaws grocery store. Yeah, that's right. Um, Every now and then I, I stop in and just have a quiet moment in the cheese section and think about Kurt Cobain and yeah. and my youth. Just uh, uh, stock up on some Penny Royal tea? Is that what you do? Is that, uh, yeah, is yeah. that, that the deal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, did you ever see any shows at Maple Leaf Gardens, by the way? Um, did I? I don't think I did. No, I remember seeing... No. Uh, no, no, sir. Nothing. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. No. I did see a couple yeah. of shows there, but I, I saw, uh, I saw the tragically hip and change of heart and the odds on a, on their day for night tour. And I saw, uh, the beastie boys. Uh, and it was supposed to be bad brains opening up, but there was some issue and I forget who opened up at, uh, on the ill communication tour. So I saw those things for sure. Do you think HR had some border yeah. troubles? No, absolutely. Uh, That's what we were told. There was border issues and they couldn't get across. And, there's some I would have remembered if the Blues Explosion opened that show, but I thought the Blues Explosion took over that a wing of that John Spencer Blues Explosion. Uh, did you know? Do you know mm-hmm. that band? I do. <laughs> <laughs> From the '90s, I really like them. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So that's all, all the stuff I saw. Anyway, these were a lot of weird tangents. I just wanted to say that I like your album. And this was a, a long way of saying that. Well, thank you, yeah. and I'm glad that we're we've gotten to a, a place of positivity in our in our chat because um, we went to some dark places that I feel didn't didn't represent me at my best. Really? And uh, re- so now, do you regret the things you said? I regret coming on this show, and I regret uh, <laughs> answering your email to uh, to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fine, that's fair. I I regret uh, all of it as well. I regret our relationship. Where can people go to learn uh, more about uh, your new album and you? Uh, where would you? It's again, it's called Complete Discography. Uh, you are very funny on the Twitter. Uh, if I might say, uh, among other places. Uh, but where oh, thank where you. would you like to send people uh, to learn more about all of this? Uh, I guess Twitter is probably the best place. So my uh, Twitter handle is at mbalazzo, M-B-A-L-A-Z-O. And I think my pinned tweet is um, a link to, to the album. Okay. And uh, I made a, a silly little video to promote the album. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's probably the best way, Twitter. Okay, and, you're, and the podcast... 
uh, you, that you put all your heart and soul into? Uh, the Landlord and Tenant Pod Mess, the uh, podcast, it's a comedy podcast with a premise that James Hartnett, who's a very funny comedian, is my landlord and I am his tenant. And we have comedians and musicians and guests. We've, we've had even uh, a, a man by the name of Vish Khanna on two times. Uh, and you can find the link to that in my Twitter bio as well, at uh, Balazzo. Now, is there any chance I can come back to the show? I it's not in my hands. James makes all the booking decisions, but I'll I'll uh-huh. put in a word for you. I I think we can make it happen because this seems to have gone well. This by doing it through Zoom, so we could like, uh, two minutes yeah. later, just two minutes earlier. You said it did not go well, and that you regretted everything you said. Now you're saying it went well. <laughs> Technologically, it went well. So that's I'm high. The, yeah, that's the threshold. Okay, I can't tell if yeah. Uh, uh, I can't tell if podcast James Hartnett is actually a big fan of mine. I feel like we're also, whenever I'm on the show, I tend to take your side of uh, that <laughs> dynamic, and I wonder if he's going to veto me appearing on the show again. Well, it's up to him. I'll, I'm sure you can convince him. Um, okay. Because right. you represent the elusive uh, West Coast demographic that we're, we're, we're trying to attract. So didn't know a lot where of sway were, out there. Th- I was yeah. getting concerned about the demographic direction that you f- you were going in there in terms of what I represent for your show, but oh, no. I mean I Albertans, sure. you know, okay, uh, just prairie people. Sure. Yeah, just making sure. I'm not. I'm not doing a count of how many East Indians you've had on the show or anything. It's not any kind of stat thing I'm doing. I just I wasn't sure uh, if there's a, a track, uh, Michael, from your album. That we can play for people so they can get some... I, uh, I've given them a little flavor already, but if there's something that we can put out into the world at the end here, what would you recommend? Um, I guess, yeah, that Kurt Cobain track is, uh, is a good little taster, a good example of what I can do when I've got that mic in my hands. And uh, yeah, that's probably the one. <laughs> Kurt Cobain. Okay, we kind of uh, talked about it a bit. By the way, I didn't even ask your permission. Is it permissible... You chose something, and that sort of implicitly suggests it's permissible. Oh. But can can I play something from complete discography? I hold all, I, I, yeah, you hold all the cards right now. Can you? Please? I hold all the cards. I feel very powerful. Um, you know what? Yeah, you can play a track from my album. Uh, please, please do. Uh, I'd say either the Kurt Cobain one or maybe the Jim one because we talked about it earlier. Um, either of those is great. They're they're actually the right beside each other on your album. I think, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Is it the? Well, hmm. I'll make a decision right now and uh, give people a flavor <laughs> for uh, this excellent new record, uh, Complete Discography uh, by Michael Blazo. Mike, thanks so much for being back on the show and uh, for chatting with me. And uh, I hope this was fun and best of luck in the future. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This was super fun. And uh, thanks for uh, helping me spread the word about my uh, album. Controversial music opinion. I don't think that the band Nirvana would have been nearly as influential or successful if he'd been named Bert Cobain. (laughs) Come at me. I was a huge Nirvana fan uh, when I was a kid, and uh, right now I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you the story of how I first found out that Kurt Cobain was dead, okay? I take you there, back to 1994. Of course, you gotta remember, this this was before the internet, right? So I had been at school all day, you know, tending to my studies. Hadn't had access to the news, didn't know what was going on in the world. 
My dad picked me up at the end of the school day. He had heard the news in the car radio. So that's what you need to know. So I got out of school, got in the car. First thing my dad did, he turned to me out of the blue and said, well, looks like your best friend killed himself. (laughs) And I, not having heard the news that day, my reaction was like, uh, Dave? This is my best friend at the time, this guy Dave. You know, to be honest, he was a, a bit of a nerd. Not very popular, didn't have a lot going on in his life. And I was like, oh, maybe he, you know, did the honorable thing. You know. Nip it in the bud. But then, no, I eventually, I quickly, my dad told me that Kurt Cobain had blown his head away. And uh, I never forgave Dave. (laughs) What a stinker. Dave, let's all boo Dave. One, two, three, boo. (laughs) Fuck Dave. Yeah. My people. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ah, very nice to have Michael Balazzo back on this show. I believe for the third time is what we were discussing. I believe this is his third time on this show. But in this case, he's on the 568th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and it's available on all Apple and Google platforms and other things too. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it and you, you just you everywhere you look, it's not there. You've heard about it. Is it a dream? Is it a nightmare? Why did someone tell me about this episode if I can't find it? Well, the odds are pretty good you can find it and you can also learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter. Where is this magical place where you can do all of these things? It's my website vishkana.com you can also like creative control on facebook if facebook still exists as or when you are listening to this uh, spiel you can follow us on twitter at vishcreative or follow me directly at vishkana also please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going uh, as you heard during our conversation uh, between, between mike and i uh, patreon is very important to both of us And uh, my Patreon occasionally has extra 
special exclusive content for those who uh, donate $6 or more. So please visit patreon.com slash creative control and make your flexible monthly donation today. Thanks again to live at MasseyHall.com, where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. Also, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Uh, thanks, too, to Jim Guthrie for letting me use uh, some music of his on the program. You can learn more about Jim and his amazing catalog of sound at JimGuthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode featuring myself and Mike Balazzo in conversation. Again, check out the uh, Landlord and Tenant uh, pod mess. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, podcast based in Toronto. Very funny. And uh, yeah, if you uh, have never heard this show before and want to learn more about it, subscribe to it, follow it, check out the back catalog of uh, episodes and maybe previous uh, instances where uh, Mike was on the show uh, with his friend James Hartnett. Those were fun times. Uh, or uh, move along with your life. You don't have to do anything. I'm just glad you're here and listening to me as I say this stuff. And uh, on that note, I'm going to go. I will talk to you soon, though. Bye for now. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.